Uh, Fred today has, uh, speaking of Reformation Sunday, we didn't plan it this way, but he has a very fitting word for today from Psalm 119, because Psalm 119 is all about how uh, the impact of God's Word on our lives and how we need to saturate our lives with the Word of God. And that's part of what the Reformation was about. Uh, both Calvin and Arminianus would, Arminius, Arminius would agree with that, uh, that the Word of God is what is central to our lives. And, uh, and so let's hear from Fred this morning about what God has to say to us. Good morning. I uh, really, I love this church. I love that uh, I have a chance to be up here in front of all my friends. I love that without too much coordination, John Sellers picked out uh, tunes that were very familiar to me from my youth and, and my favorite hymn. Um, I love that uh, this church is so willing to, to put forth so much effort uh, for, for me to give a message today. Uh, John and, and Scott probably put in... Uh, 40 hours with me, and Peter Ristow, and Doug Sachs. Uh, this really has been a, a huge effort there. When, when Pastor Scott Farrell announced that he was going to do a, 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 a series on the Psalms, I volunteered. I said, uh, I would love to give a, a, um, a message on Psalm 119. I felt that it was a, a psalm that had given me some wisdom in the past, and, and, and it was going to be easy, because I already knew what it meant, right? And as I studied, I realized I really didn't have a clue. So they spent more time with me and, and put this together. And the five months since then, I, I, I believe that it has come together nicely. I hope you guys are blessed by this the way I was. Can we pray first? God, thank you for this church. Thank you for my church family. Thank you for our church home here. We thank you for the, the blessings that come from this community. I am uh, I'm humbled that you would bother with me for such a thing like this. And I ask your blessing today that uh, I just be a vessel that uh, your word could be poured through. And uh, I ask for your blessing that uh, this, this uh, message here would expand your kingdom and not my own. Amen. Okay, so we're going to be looking at Psalm 119 today, verses 1 through 16. Little uh, little background here. Uh, I want you to know here that God's word can touch every part of our lives. Psalm one nineteen is a uh, is a song of praise and worship for the power of God. It's uh, it's the longest chapter of the Bible. It's longer than thirty books of the Bible. It has one hundred seventy six verses with twenty two sections, each of eight verses, and each section starts off with a letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Uh, think like the ABC song goes all the way through the end. Don't start singing. Uh, it, it is a, a, a song of worship. Uh, the order was laid out like this to aid memorization. Uh, you'll recall the Jews didn't have scrolls in their backpacks. They didn't all know how to read, but this would make it easier to memorize. And I think what the psalmist is trying to show us here is that uh, God's Word can touch every part of our lives, from the beginning to the end, and every little part in the middle. So turn to Psalm 119 with me. Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep His testimonies, who seek Him with their whole heart, who also do no wrong, but walk in His ways. You have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. 
Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. Then I shall not be put to shame. Having my eyes fixed on your commandments, I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn of your righteous rules. I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth and the way of your testimonies I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts. I will fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes, and I will not forget your word. So there's 22 sections here. We're just going to look at the first two sections today. Uh, In the first section, the big truth here I want you to see is that we are blessed when we are obedient to God's word. In the second section, we can have purity when we know God's word. So as you look across the first section of eight verses, I want you to see we're going to be blessed when we obey. You're going to ask, obey what? Look through the verses there. You'll see in verse 1, he calls it the law. In verse 2, it's his testimony. Verse 3, it says his way. Verse 4, his precepts. Then it's statutes. Then his commandments. And then in verse 7, his righteous rules. All these are synonyms for, for God's word. They're all his. They're all resolute. And following them comes with a blessing. All right? Let me explain here. God's law is for our protection. Paul called it a, a schoolmaster. Now, if you've been, um, been to any of our Romans classes downstairs, you've heard me assert that, that Paul loved the law twice, two different times here. The first time for the wrong reasons. He looked at the law as a, as a, a mode or a method to gain righteousness, that he would simply obey, he would be righteous. Then after he was saved, he looked, looked at it again, realized this was more like a schoolmaster, that the rules here would drive us towards or, or push us towards Christ, right? And so he learned to love the law again for that method. We can rest in the power of his word to give us protection under the law, and the law serves one very other important purpose I'm going to tell you about in a minute. So stick with me, all right? Let's look at verse 1. Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. If our way is blameless, we're going to be blessed. Now, blameless doesn't mean sinless here. Our way is blameless when we walk in the, in the law of the Lord. Uh, you might be stumbling, but you're still walking in the Lord. If you are walking down the beach and you stumble in the surf, you're going to get up and keep walking. When you get back, they say, what did you do today? You don't say, I stumbled in the surf. You say, I was walking on the beach, right? If we're walking, we're walking in the law of the Lord, right? And if we stumble, we're still walking in his law. Verse 2, blessed are those who keep his statutes. I'm sorry, blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart. So how do we keep his testimonies? We keep it by seeking him with our whole heart. How do you do it with your whole heart? You put him first. Jesus said this himself. Uh, if you want to look it up fast, Matthew 6, 33, or one of people know this by heart, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Now, verse 3 is really a continuation of that thought, so I've got to read verse 2 again here. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart, who also do no wrong, but walk in his ways. We're not, we're not talking about being flawless here or perfect. What we're doing is we're talking about being blessed by walking in his way. 
I really want to repeat here, the blameless doesn't mean sinless. God blesses the heart that desires to obey Him. That's worth writing down. God blesses the heart that desires to obey Him. And we can demonstrate our devotion to God by obeying. Now, in the midst of all this, God will bless our effort to seek Him. Let's look at the next section here. When we seek Him with our whole heart, there's a direct and measurable benefit. We won't be put to shame. So verse 4 through 6 here. You have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. Then I shall not be put to shame, having my eyes fixed on your commandments. These are big things here, but his word is not empty or hollow here. He's leading us in safety to safety for our protection so that he can bless us. This Psalms here is just full of treasures. Uh, you know, in preparation for this, they, they say, you know, you've got to read it all the way through. I tried, right? And I read a lot of Psalms. And there's treasures buried everywhere. You know, the 23rd Psalm, part of the way through, verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of the death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they cover me. He leads us in safety to safety. Let's look at verse 7. I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn of your righteous rules. I want to I make that personal here. I, I will praise you, Lord, when I have learned of your, I'm sorry, with an upright heart when I learn of your righteous rules. We, we, have, these, we have these stories from when, before we were saved, where we could say, uh, oh, I, I did this thing and it had this terrible consequence. It ruined my life. My life was a wreck. And then I got saved. And then I showed up in church and someone handed me a Bible and I started reading and uh, there it was, right there, there's a verse that pertained to what I did. It said, you're not supposed to do that. And you say, it was there the whole time. Why didn't I just see this before, right? We can praise him for that. A, a good teacher really would get a thrill, you know, whenever they see their student gets it. Uh, uh, when, I was, uh, when I was in the 11th grade, everybody was trying to figure out what they were going to do with their life. Um, and I wanted to be a teacher. I had a great history teacher, and he was teaching me uh, things about uh, history that wasn't shown up in the textbook. And he taught with really great enthusiasm. And I got an, uh, an opportunity to take one of those uh, advanced placement tests. And uh, I, I did really well. I got uh, college credit out of it. And my teacher seemed uh, you know, really happy, I mean, maybe a little surprised, but really happy to say to me, hey, you know, you really did well on this test. And, and when I've had the chance to teach uh, Sunday school here uh, uh, for the kids, I, you can see that moment where the point that you're trying to explain gets through to them and the little light bulb goes off over their head. And it's a real thrill. How much more do you think God is thrilled when we finally get it? When we say, I understand. I understand how much you love me, that you would, you would sacrifice your own son for me. That's huge. I, I get it. Thank you. It's a big day of realization when we get that. So look at verse 8. Now we can ask him for help here. Verse 8 says, I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. He is faithful to complete the work start that He started in us. God always finishes what He starts. I want you to look up a verse with me here. Uh, can we go to Philippians 1, 6? Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. Paul 
Paul says here, For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. We can ask him never to leave us. We can ask things from God, and if they're in his will, he's, he's going to give it to us. We can ask for the cool water of his word. We can ask for uh, wisdom to lead his people. We can ask for understanding of his word or good leaders. Uh, and we can ask him, I can ask him to keep me from wandering. So we see here in this first section here that we are blessed by knowing God's word, and he blesses our effort to seek him. And we can ask him for help to do that. Now, that's not the only one we're doing today. We got 21 more to go. Okay, we're going to do one more. All right. Uh, next one is a big one. It has to do with purity. So we're going to look at uh, verses 9 through 16 here. What I want you to know is we can be pure. This is possible with God. The verse here says, How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to your word. We keep our way pure here by keeping it according to his word. He's not going to steer us wrong. Right? But to step off this path is very definitely destruction. I thought I understood what this, word, this verse meant. This is the one that gave me a lot of inspiration. This is why I stepped up to Scott and said, I want to preach this message. But we dig in here, it has a little bit deeper, deeper message than I thought. So how do we make our path, uh, our path like his? Let's read verse 10. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandment. So when we put God first, when we commit ourselves to seeking Him through His Word, we are more likely to stay on the path, right? But if we lose sight of our goal or destination, you know, we're going to wander. It's, it's really not that hard to do. There's everything to distract us. There's TV, there's Facebook, there's uh, bills, there's clubs, uh, there's kids. Some of us have more kid distractions than others, right? They're out there. But there are even TV and movie producers that are writing scripts and producing shows that are specifically there because they believe that their job is to undermine the things of God, to debunk Christianity. And they broadcast it, and we watch it. There's a, there's a scientist. Um, you'll, you'll probably know who I'm talking about. Um, he's really more of a theorist. He's confined to a wheelchair. And um, every now and then, he comes out with some big statement, some big unprovable anti-biblical theory. And everybody takes it as fact because this guy seems so smart. And no one will refute him because he's in a wheelchair. He has repeatedly expressed his disdain for God. Right? And so when he speaks about the universe in these grand terms that nobody can prove, nobody says anything. We all just take it for fact. So with all these people working against us, with all these things working against us, how can we keep focused? What how can we avoid the sins that come from distraction? It's in the text. So we hide, our word, uh, we hide his word in our hearts, not in our heads. Look at verse 11. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. We store his word in our, in our heart, not just in our heads, because that's where it can take root. That's where it can do the most uh, work in us. And, and if we fill ourselves with it, that's what, we, that's what will come out when we get squeezed by the world. Uh, you're going to see in your life, you know, uh, items, uh, times of extreme joy or uh, persecution or extreme anger or um, uh, times when we're really grateful to God. And, and what comes out of us at those times will be the things that we're filled with here. When, before we were saved, you can remember, uh, maybe you'll remember being stuck in traffic and how we react to the driver that cuts us off. But now it's different, isn't it? Now we react differently to these sort of problems because of what's in us. 
One of the nicest things about this church here is that we have an Iwana club. And one of the nicest events that I've ever taken part of here in the church is the Iwana Versathon. And we sit right over there, the Amian section. And the kids come at us with all the verses that they've learned that year. And you sit there as a verse listener, and they'll rip off 20, 30, 40 verses to you. It's just amazing blessing. Uh, you don't have to join Awana just to help us with the versathon, to sit here and listen to these verses, and you'll be blessed by it. And the kids say sometimes, why? Why, why, are we, why do we have to memorize the verses? Why do we know this? Because that's what's going to come out of you when you're squeezed. Right? Now, uh, I like to, I like to um, dig into phrases, common phrases that we use without thinking. And one of the phrases that uh, is out there that I think applies here is uh, when we say we know it by heart. You know, if we're logical, we say we're memorizing it. We know it in our head. We would say, oh, I know it by head. No, we say I know it by heart because that means you really know it. In our house, uh, we love that movie, the, the Princess Bride. And we walk around and we quote this. Uh, it's uh, very well-timed, very funny. Right? especially when you get the dialogue down. I want to know and study the word like that, that I know it by heart. Now, it's going to seem impossible at times that we can accept that we can firmly place our gaze on him continuously. Right? You're right. We're going to need help. But we can ask him for help. Look at verse 12. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your commandments. So we can actually petition the author of the words of life to teach us the words of life. We can ask for understanding or wisdom or good teachers because he wants us to know his word. Why? So we can declare it. That's verse 13. With my lips, I will declare all the rules of your mouth. We really can't declare it if we don't know it. Good verse 14. In the way of your testimonies, I delight as much as in all riches. When we learn its value, it becomes the greatest treasure to us, and it can never be stolen. Right? How many times have we studied in here and we say, ah, that's, that's golden, what a great nugget. And then five years later, we study the same thing again and say, I didn't see that there the first time. That's great too. It's full of treasure. When we realize what it's for, it's the greatest treasure. So, if you know its value now, what are you going to do with it? That's verse 15 and 16. I will meditate on your precepts, and I will fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes, and I will not forget your word. So what's possible? If you can fix your eyes on him and obey him, what's possible? Let me tell you about Ezra. Ezra lived in the time of Nehemiah and Artaxerxes I. Nehemiah was a scribe and a teacher that had dedicated his life to, to learning the word and teaching it. And he was with the other captives in Persia uh, under Artaxerxes. Now, Artaxerxes needed to make a trip to Egypt. Uh, he was going to have to put down a rebellion or squeeze them a little bit. So he needed to make sure that his path was secure. So he figured he would send along some offerings to Jerusalem. So he gets Ezra and he gives him a decree for 2,000 guys. And he says, look, I'm going to give you some gold and some wine and some oil and I'm going to send you on a four-month journey through hostile territory so that I can have an easier path later, right? Now, Ezra, he's not going to ask for armed guard for all this stuff. He, he's been already boasting about the power of God. So he fasts and prays with these men, and they take off on their journey. Four months later, they show up in Jerusalem. They haven't lost a thing. They haven't lost a person. 
They haven't gotten robbed. And they show up there, and the other Jews that are already there in Jerusalem have been given away their kids, their daughters and their sons, to marriage with uh, the other pagan communities around them. So he falls to his knees, he tears his robe, he pulls out his hair, and he's asking for forgiveness from God. And so then the next day, he gathers up the leaders of the town, and he's praying with them all day long, in the rain, it says in the Bible. He's reading the scrolls to them, and after a long day of this in the rain, he leads the nation to repentance. So he knew God's word. He was prepared to serve. He could recognize disobedience when he saw it. And he was able to teach the Jews about the statutes of God. He led his nation in a great revival and led him back to love and worship of God. He knew it not just in his head, but in his heart. When we do that, when we can live out the purpose of God's word in a practical way, right? we can be like Ezra. Not just learning it, you know, not just you know, learning his word, but learning to live it out. Now, this is really all just an illustration of, of sanctification. We say purity, and I thought this is what this meant. I get into writing this thing you know, five months ago, and I'm going to write this big lesson on purity. This is talking about sanctification here. We come to the point here in our sanctification where, where uh, we learn how much he loved us, that he loved us so much that he would send his son and sacrifice him for us. And when we get that, we say, oh my gosh, that's huge. What? You know, what can I do for you? How can I show you that I love you? How can we show the Christ? How do we love him? And he says, I just want you to believe and obey. Now, here's that other use of the law I, I told you. When you realize that the law isn't going to bring you righteousness, when you realize the law isn't the path to salvation, then your, your voluntary acceptance to begin to try to obey becomes this sweet offering it becomes a form of worship to our Redeemer. Amen. So once we get that figured out, we're ready to embrace His Word and spread it. We are really set apart for this purpose. This is His purpose for us. And this is what sanctification means to us, that as we grow more and more like Christ, right, and we obey God's Word and cooperate with Him, we grow more. Let me review that second section here. We can be pure. It is entirely possible with God. We can be pure by knowing Him through His Word, then by living it and walking in it. And we can ask Him for help because when we know His Word, we can embrace it. God's Word really here can touch every part of our lives. Psalm 119 has 176 verses, 22 sections to show us how it's done. The psalmist is trying to show us how complete that is. It's like the Greek alphabet, A to Z, right? Alpha to Omega, beginning to end. But you can't stop in the middle and say, okay, that's enough. I've done that. I get to, you know, you read so much, you learn so much, your life improves, and you say, that's great, God. I'll take it from here. Right? We can't do that. We can't stop. We have to read to the end. Are you cherishing God's word for every part of your life? Do you agree with God, not that you shouldn't steal, but you ignore his command not to covet? Can you skip that one? Do you relish God's love, but you kind of uh, push away His discipline? Are you applying it to your whole life? Our sanctification is still in process. 
It won't be done until we get to heaven. You were sanctified when you were saved. Then you are being sanctified now as you show up for church, as you show up for men's Bible study, as you participate in Awana, right? You're being sanctified, and your sanctification will be complete when you finally get to heaven. But we have to read to the end. When we delight in God's Word, it has the power to transform us. It's not just that it's going to bless us for being obedient. That's huge. It's not just that we can learn to live pure and live without guilt, and that's pretty huge. But he can lead us from death to life. He did this for Ezra in Israel. He did this for Joseph when he was carried off to Egypt. He did this for David when he was mired in his sins. Now we have something David didn't have. We have, we have the Holy Spirit in us. And we have with us every single day. Not just some days, but every single day. And we can ask him for help. We can actually ask him for new desires. We can ask him, give me a desire for your word. Give me a desire to read every day. Give me a desire to pray every day. We can ask him for wisdom. And there really is nowhere else to go for this kind of life-changing words. Now, what we read in John 6, 68, before what the Peter was reading, right? Jesus had some hard sayings, and, and, and a lot of people left. And Jesus says, to, uh, uh, says uh, now will you leave me? And Peter said, to whom else would we go? Where would we go? You have the words of eternal life. So if you want that, if you want to be filled by uh, the words of life, then you abide in Him. How do you abide in Him? Well, you do it by filling yourself with the Word. Get everything you can get. You know, show up for, show up for church. Show up for Sunday school. Go to the men's you know, the, the Bible study. Do a wanna. Fill it with it so you can declare it when, when, it, when you're called on to. There's a lost and lonely generation out there that hasn't heard this. We're sharing the words of life that can transform an, an atheist or uh, uh, a silly theorist that thinks he's a scientist or adulterers or criminals. This word, these words can transform them into teachers and Sunday school teachers and preachers and leaders. I want you to look at another verse with me. Can you look up uh, Hebrews 4.12? Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and to the joints and marrow and a discerner of thoughts and intents of the heart. His word can stop the wind here. His word can, can heal the sick or raise the dead. And what can you use it for? So if you're like me, you're out there in the world, you're doing your thing, people come to you and they start to ask you questions about God. They'll say, they'll say this or that. They'll say, oh, what about this? Or how come we're having this tragedy? Or why did this thing happen in my life? Or sometimes they'll even attack you. And they'll say, is that your Jesus? You know? And what they're really asking is, why do I need a Redeemer? Why do I need a Savior? Why do I need your Jesus? You guys already know the answer. We come here every week. We study here. The, the leaders in this church, the pastors here, prepare these lessons. And that's their discipleship, their, their training of us. The evangelism is not on that that menu. They're, they're here for discipleship. It's our job to go out there and evangelize. And we already have the words. We've been giving them every week here. The pastors do a great job here. I bet this psalm study took three, four hundred hours to prepare you know, for Scott and his team, right? So we have these words. So now when people come to you and they say, and they're going to come to you, they'll say, why do I need your Jesus? 
we know what to say. We can say, are you a good person? And we know what they're going to say. The Bible says every man will declare his own goodness, right? But you know the truth. Jesus said, no one is righteous. No, not one. You say, well, let's just use the Ten Commandments as a, as a point of reference, right? Have you ever told a lie? If they're honest, they'll say yes. Have you ever stolen anything? If they're honest, they'll say yes. You say, have you ever looked in lust at another? That's, Jesus says, if you look at another with lust, you've already committed adultery in your heart. And how about the last one? Have you, uh, have you ever used God's name as a cuss word after you stub your toe or get in an accident? Right? That's pretty serious. God calls that blasphemy. Most people will admit to those things. And you can say that you know, by their own admission, they're a lying, thieving, blaspheming, adulterer at heart. Now, using that, you ask, does that make you guilty or innocent? And if you're guilty, where do you go? Heaven or hell? Most people will concede that means hell. Now, I know you don't want them to go to hell. I don't want them to go to hell. God doesn't want them to go to hell. So you know what he did? He sent his only son and sacrificed him to pay the bill. There's a charge to be paid for every sin, and the wage of sin is death. Now, if you go into a courtroom and you say, you say, okay, I've got this ticket, I've got this fine, and you go to the judge and you say, oh, uh, I'm very sorry, I'll never do it again. You're going to repent, you say, you know, you're repenting, you say, please forgive me. The judge is going to say, sure, I forgive you. $2,500 and six months in jail. See you later. Right? We have that ability in our, amongst our sins that we stumble into each day. We can go back to the Redeemer and say, I'm sorry, please forgive me. And he is faithful and just to forgive us. They don't have that out there. The difference is you have to trust in Jesus as your Savior. They don't have that. We can show them that way. And when they see that, point them to a good church, tell them to pick up a Bible and do what it says. So I want you to remember that God's Word can touch every part of your life. Psalm 119 has 22 different sections to show you how to do it. We saw in the first section that, that uh, God blesses us in our obedience. We saw in the second section that we can stay pure by knowing God's Word. And that was just two sections. There's a lot more there. I'm going to challenge you to go home today and read the rest of it and see what you can do with it. I really appreciate you guys letting me take the pulpit today. Can we pray? God, we praise you for the power of your word that can stop the wind and heal the sick and raise the dead. And all we sometimes use it for is a little comfort, but we know that it has that power that when our friends come to us and say, what about that Jesus? That your words will give us the power to give your story and the redeeming, the, redeeming, the redeeming power that it has within it. Thank you, Lord, for the power of your word. Amen.